I was all uh, prepared to come in this morning, and I wanted to make one of those so much for global warming jokes, and then these temperatures happened. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't read into that, please. Let's just beat the heat together this morning, right? Colossians 2, verses 6 and 15 say this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And friends, we've spent the last four weeks together talking about spiritual warfare, talking about a battle in which you, brothers and sisters in Christ, which I, which we get involved with from the very day, the very day that we've confessed, repentant, baptized believers in Jesus. We've discussed over this time what it looks like to be in spiritual warfare, as Paul writes in Ephesians 6, as Christians are given, quote, the whole armor of God to stand against the schemes of the enemy. We've, we've talked about what, what makes up this whole armor of God, uh, the individual tools of the Christian defensive trade, if you will. We also talk through some uh, battle scenarios that can come up on the home front, at home, with our friends and families, and how using our gifts to serve one another can help us stand strong in our churches. And this morning, as we conclude the sermon series entitled, It's Spiritual Warfare, I'd like to send us off to fight the good fight in two parts, a challenge and a promise challenge and a promise. Let's read that text again from Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I challenge you to walk in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, maybe you say, as a Christian, I'm already going down that road. But, you know, I think sometimes, as Christians, as believers, we forget exactly what kind of road we're traveling. I mentioned in the first week of this series that if our lives ever feel like we're fighting some kind of battle, it's because we are. And what happens when we forget the good fight we're in? For the last month, my friends, the reality of spiritual warfare has been on our hearts and minds. We've been discussing it. But I challenge you next week, next month, next year, not to forget that this battle is going to rage on. It's going to continue in our hearts, in our homes, in our churches. As long as we're living in this world, we're still making our way, like Jesus, behind enemy lines. Let me share a personal story with you in regards to why we mustn't forget. Earlier this week, my wife and I were blessed to travel to Indianapolis for the uh, North American Christian Convention. If you've never attended this convention or something similar to it, the NACC itself having been held annually since the 1920s, it's been going a few years, let me say it's an incredible three days of spiritual nourishment and encouragement in the faith and in ministry. 
for church leaders, conferences such as the NACC. Uh, we also have a little closer to home, the uh, Michigan Christian Convention at Great Lakes. These can be a time to recharge. Uh, one is offered a wealth of information, ministry resources from some of the most dynamic speakers and authors around. The convention was formatted into a series of main sessions if you've never been there. There's a time for group worship. This is spread out over about three days. Uh, they were broken up by meals, workshops, leadership huddles, Bible studies, mission and vendor spots, plenty of opportunities to network with other believers. Uh, I was uh, pleased to even be able to visit some of our uh, local Church Christ brethren here. Uh, Phil Beavers from Great Lakes College, uh, Minister Denny Dennis over at Co-Church. I also met a, a fantastic ministry couple out of uh, West Virginia over a burger on Thursday afternoon. And, you know, full disclosure, if, if you'd like to hear a variety of ministers speak, if you'd like to hear a lot of people get up and say a bunch of stuff so you can take uh, some notes on content and presentation and borrow from them freely on Sunday, the NACC is good for that, too. It's no overstatement this morning to say that God did something incredible. God did something incredible uh, for me personally, during each and every part of the conference I attended. I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, I believe over the course of this conference uh, was even redirected by the Holy Spirit in the direction of our next sermon series beginning July 15. What I was going to do was going to be terrible. Don't worry, you won't miss it. <laughs> There's some other things in the works. Stay tuned for those. And yet, brothers and sisters... Although I experienced, I can't, I can't tell you enough, the real joy of a spiritual recharge in the Lord this past week in Indianapolis, it was certainly that. Over the course of my time there, I also experienced the struggle of spiritual warfare. I'm not kidding you. I didn't stop to think that that's maybe what was going on. I just thought I kept repeatedly uh, getting up on the wrong side of the bed and, and not seeing eye to eye with the wife on the way to hearing a series of fantastically spiritually edifying ministers and authors, and it was all just coincidence. But the rulers and authorities, those unseen spiritual forces who stand opposed to the Lord and the furthering of the gospel, the enemy with whom Christ battled in the desert and with whom every believer battles in the home and the local congregation, it turns out the devil is hanging out in Indianapolis as well. Who would have thunk? In the Hoosier State. He's there. Well, I mean, you all knew that. but I mean, the devil's been holding back Hoosier pork tenderloin sandwiches from all of you, but that's another rant for another time. They don't have those up here. What's the story on that anyway? I mean, anyway. But a Christian convention in Indianapolis is behind enemy lines. And, and knowing what God had in store for me, the enemy didn't want me there. The enemy didn't want me at that conference. Come to find out. So with each new compelling session or workshop or learning opportunity that's presented itself in my uh, handy little schedule of events, for some reason I was actually able every time, each one of them, to come up with, in my mind, an equally compelling reason to blow this one off or sleep that one in. Somehow. And, you know, it didn't seem to matter the size of the coffee I'd, I'd wake up with and grab at morning session. They had a Starbucks right next to the door. That's just not fair. You know, you're, you're trying to be good, and you come downstairs, and next to the door there's a Starbucks coffee. You know, it wouldn't be so bad if their coffee wasn't about 16 bucks a pound. But, but it took hearing from God's word, hearing from the Lord, 
Every time before remembering that in, in my sleepiness and my laziness, just maybe in general road fatigue, I was behind enemy lines because the devil didn't want me there. The devil didn't want me there at that conference. The devil didn't want me getting pumped up, learning things about ministry. The devil didn't want me there ready to listen to new ideas about furthering God's kingdom, being encouraged to strengthen uh, my resolve to do that. Just before dinner on Wednesday evening, my wife and I actually found ourselves in, in one of the silliest arguments we've ever had in our life together. I'd tell you more about it, but I honestly don't remember. It was that important. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Was this because we, we were unappreciative of the chance to uh, spiritually recharge together? We, was it because we secretly didn't want to be at the, at the NACC? Was it because 17 years of marriage had come and gone and I still can't get the whole toilet seat thing figured out? <laughs> Maybe. No. Spiritual warfare. It's because of spiritual warfare. You and I can even be standing among a multitude of other believers. The NACC averages between eight and 12,000 people. That's a lot of people to stand and worship God with. And in this world, we're still going to be standing behind enemy lines and forced to play defense to the devil. That's the reality. Now, the reason why I've unpacked all, these, all this story for you this morning about my week in Indianapolis is this. Friends, the devil doesn't want you here either. He doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you here this morning. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you woke up this morning tempted to blow this one off or sleep this one in. Maybe you even allowed yourself plenty of time this morning to get your coffee. Maybe you even have a Starbucks in your living room next to your door for the equivalent. Maybe you found yourself in an argument with your spouse or other family member last night or this morning, and it was one of the silliest arguments you've ever had in your life together. You don't even remember what it was about. Have you ever had one of those uh, discussions, serious discussions, we'll say, uh, with your, with your uh, spouse, with your significant other on the way into worship? Have you ever done that? That's, that, you know, we'll say serious discussion because uh, Christian couples never just fight nasty, right? That, that doesn't happen. We're incapable of that. But have you ever been into a serious discussion with a person on the way into the church building and all of a sudden you pull up and see the cross, you have to stop yourself and say, it's church time, put on a smile. <laughs> My wife and I would love to have a serious discussion like that, but it's four seconds from that door to this one, so. But these are all examples of spiritual warfare. Let's be honest about it. These things happen. The battle rages on in this world where Christian soldiers go. And so this is my challenge for you this morning. If you forget, maybe just for a little while, just a few moments, because that's all it takes, that the world in which the enemy inhabits isn't someplace out there, isn't someplace beyond these walls, isn't someplace down the street. It's where Christians are. The enemy uh, comes to God's people. The enemy came to Adam and Eve from within a garden of perfection. The enemy got close enough to our Lord and Savior uh, to try to tempt him away. If you've forgotten that the devil is called the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, the ruler of this world in John 12, 31, this means he is coming to you every day in every way he can. May God's word remind you this morning as it's reminded me this week, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And stay on his trail. Stay on his trail. 
If you've had a rough morning, if you, if you had a rough week, if your service to the Lord lately has just been going through some motions, uh, maybe if you feel that you've just hit a real low point uh, spiritually recently in your life, you're not sure how to bounce back. In light of our text, I want you to think back with me. Think back to the point of your salvation when you last made a significant spiritual commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe it was because, uh, maybe it was when you became a new creation of baptism. Do you remember what was going on inside of you? Do you remember that point? I realize it may have been quite, quite a long time ago for some of us, many moons, as they say, maybe decades. But think back to that point. Try to think back to that point. I don't know what the circumstances were for you in your life when, when you became a child of God, but I do know one thing. You were standing behind enemy lines on that day as well when you were drawn up out of those baptismal waters. The battle for you was won. And I would imagine you even felt like the new creation God's word says you are. Amen? So as you received that day, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, may you continue to walk in him. As you became a Christian, may you press on. May you strive to make every moment in Jesus a new creation moment. That's whether you feel like it or not. That's whether you feel like it or not. When we get up in the morning to another day of service for the king, don't let your first thought be the weight of the world. Don't let your first thought be the weight of the world. Don't let the devil take the reins of a new day. On the, let, on the contrary, let your first thought be Jesus. Amen? Let your first thought be Jesus. And then no matter what your day or week or month or, or, or season brings, frustrations, inconveniences, heartbreaks, it will, they will. It's a broken world. Let your continued thoughts be with Jesus. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying live in a bubble or, or, or pretend that you're uh, just too blessed to be stressed. I'm not saying don't deal with things that come up, but don't dwell on things that come up because this is the devil's turf. And in this world, he is trying to distract us any way he can from following Jesus. My daughter has two or three of those uh, little uh, laser light pointers that you can flash around the room. I could probably tell you about a thousand stories, but, but let's, let's tell you one that's safe, because she's sitting right there. <laughs> Every once in a while, just like in that episode of Seinfeld, she likes to take it and shine it at my forehead, just drive me crazy. No. Every once in a while, she likes to shine it at the cat, shine it in the general area of the cat. Uh, cat is named Molly, and Molly loves that light, and she will chase it around the room. I mean, you know, cat's probably killed six of its nine lives chasing that light around, you know, keeping her distracted. The devil can keep a Christian just as occupied, just as distracted as that cat. All it takes is bad start to the day, an ongoing issue, bad experience. You might think, really, just getting up on the wrong side of the bed can be a satanic distraction for me, but if it puts distance between you and Jesus, absolutely. You know, if it's enough to be detrimental to your witness, definitely. Do we think somehow that the devil is going to work any harder on us than he has to? I'm serious when I say this. This is a big statement, but I'm serious when I say this. No one who arrives at atheism, who started with belief in a creator, ever just gets there in a matter of moments. The following thought does not exist in a vacuum. We don't just wake up one morning and say, well, there is no God, and if there is, I don't want any part of him. I'm convinced Satan begins working on us in the little moments, the moments of distraction, 
The moments when we've got our eyes off Jesus, the little moments of doubt, he begins chipping away at our faith there. That's why if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus behind enemy lines, the devil sidetracks us and hopes to hold us to it. You know, at the time Paul was writing this text to the Colossians, the devil had actually managed to sidetrack many in the church with false teachings. That's what this is all about. As one commentator notes, the purpose of false teaching is is to detract from the person and the work of Christ. It's a satanic deception. It may not deny Christ, but it does dethrone him. False teaching may give Christ a place, but not the supreme place. Doesn't that kind of sound like what we do when we fail to give each and every day to Christ? Commentator concludes, some, along, uh, the, uh, some among the Colossian church were teaching that Christ was insufficient and that one must go beyond Christ into what they had to offer. And we find the same thing today happening with many of the cults that will use some Christian terminology, some Christian language, but, but give it completely different meanings. Now, now stay with me on this one because Satan is still distracting many of us in the same way today. Here's a frightening statistic for you. 85%, that's four out of five people, 85%, four out of five people, plus a couple of limbs from the fifth person. That's terrible. 85% of all people who convert to one major cult among us come from traditional Christianity. That is, these people have grown unsatisfied with teachings of Jesus Christ. That's just bound to happen. It's Bible truth. Now, I'm not trying to say that if you've had difficulty having a heart for worship this year, it means you're only a step away from joining the fundamentalist church of St. Christopher Robin of New Life and Winnie the Pooh. You laugh, but that's probably out there. Oh, bother. But I promise you this. The devil is relentless in his conquest to drag you down with him. And we all know where he's going. And he's going to start somewhere. He's going to start in those little moments. If Satan succeeds in getting us unsatisfied with our walk in Christ, notice Paul says in our text that we don't run, we don't fly, skip, or jump in Christ. But as one author writes, we keep a daily, steady, step-by-step effort and progress toward a goal in Christ. But if the devil succeeds in getting us unsatisfied with our walk in Christ, we're just a step away from whatever he wants to throw at us next. And what's next? Once we struggle behind enemy lines to walk in Jesus, to keep our eyes on Jesus, well, it might mean we're we're open to the enemy, maybe even fighting on his side of the spiritual battle. It might mean we try to add to the teachings of Jesus. It might mean we try to replace the teachings of Jesus. It might mean we become more interested in drugs, alcohol, sex, food, TV, popularity, materialism, workaholism, or even patriotism than we are in Jesus. What we become, psh, that doesn't really matter to the enemy. It doesn't matter to the enemy. Just so long as we get our minds off Jesus. Just so long as we get our minds off Jesus. So as long as we're not working diligently in Jesus. Once he gets us, he can keep us sidetracked for years, and we've all seen that. Some of us have lived that. Remember, fellow Christian, as long as you're standing behind enemy lines, your purpose in this fight is to stand up against the gates of hell, and that's all. That's your purpose. As Matthew 16, 18 says, these shall not prevail against you, these gates of hell. As a ministry friend says it, that's because you're supposed to be the one knocking those gates of hell down, amen? So how are you being distracted today? How are you being distracted from serving your purpose in Christ? Poor attitude about ministry? 
apathetic attitude about ministry? Has something temporary taken the place in your life over the eternal? Has the devil distracted you with a, a belief, a person, or a lifestyle that's overtaking you? My friends, this is all part of spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare behind enemy lines. You may remember from several years ago, uh, uh, there was a popular comic that uh, showed up on T-shirts and even mud flaps that said, keep on trucking. Remember keep on trucking? Anybody have a keep on trucking T-shirt? Just kind of curious if any of those out there. Remember the guy with the real long legs? That slogan is exactly the call upon the Christian if we want to remain Christian. We have to keep on trucking, deadheads. We have to continue as we first began to walk in Jesus Christ. I know we often think of going behind enemy lines as involving a location outside of where we're living. Militarily speaking, we often go elsewhere, don't we, uh, to protect another nation which is under siege. On March 22nd of last year, U.S. helicopters carrying 500 fighters and advisors uh, descended uh, over Raqqa, Syria. This was an area overtaken as the capital for ISIS or the Islamic State. You may have been following this story. The military group consisted of Apache helicopters and marine manned howitzers, which I'm told is a weapon, not a dog breed like the Schnauzer. Their objective at the time included securing a dam just outside of the city, as well as an airfield and a nearby village. Colonel Joseph Skroka from Army Public Affairs referred to the attack the very next day to the press as, quote, a daring assault behind enemy lines. We caught ISIS by surprise, Skroka added. By October, in cooperation with, with the U.S. allies at war, the Islamic State was defeated. Today, the challenge remains of rebuilding the city, once home to 200,000 citizens, later completely abandoned due to destruction. And yet, with the enemy gone, the capture has been, quote, good news for many citizens, including soldier Mustafa Salam, age 28. I feel much better, Salam told one major publication. It's a relief. Now, this isn't what going behind enemy lines will look like for many Christians. But anytime people are knocking down city gates, whether it's the gates of uh, Raqqa, Syria, or the gates of hell, we can be guaranteed the assault will be a daring one. The difference with the Christian's assault is that our enemy lines don't work the same way as ISIS. We don't exactly travel uh, to, to literal hell to witness to the hellbound. You see, the enemy's all around us, right? But the good news is God has already leveled. He's already leveled the playing field for us before we get there. And here's that promise I told you was coming earlier. If you remember earlier on in this series, I've mentioned the Christian soldiers already have the victory in Jesus. And so unlike any enemy in Syria or Iraq or anywhere else, the devil, though he is everywhere, doesn't have a fighting chance to begin with anywhere. Colossians 2.16 says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. God disarmed our enemies, disarmed the enemy in Jesus. And that's a promise. That's a promise for you personally. The enemy has been disarmed already no matter where you go behind enemy lines. But it's going to take more than our just avoiding a few temporary distractions to keep fighting the good fight. It's going to also take the understanding. It's going to take the patience that our hearts will continue to be under siege. This battle is always on. 
No, we don't have to go to Syria to fight the devil. We just have to keep on going where we are. And my friends, we don't know how ugly the battle is going to get for us. We don't know what kind of a toll following Jesus is going to take upon our lives. But we do know. We are promised. Who is going to conquer all and who will be put to open shame? We're promised. The Father triumphed over the enemy and the Son. Who will you triumph in when the fight is over for your soul? Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. My friends, this is a challenge with a promise. You and I, yes, we're fighting a battle, but we have the tools and training for victory on the home front, in our churches, and yes, behind enemy lines. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, I, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for already overcoming this world. And, Lord, we hear this so much. Do we have the courage to live this? I pray, God, as we, as we go out into battle every day, no matter where you've sent us. We don't act in fear. We don't shy away. Lord, we know there are billions, billions made in your image in this place. And Lord, we know there's a lot of people left that don't know you. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us, challenge us every day to walk in you. Lord, I pray that you would draw us close to you, keep us there. And Lord, I pray that as we sang earlier, as we heard earlier, we would bring everything to you leave it with you. Let you sort out the, the messes. Let you sort out the hurts and the hang-ups. Help us, Lord, not to hang on to the things that keep us back. From being the people you've called us to be. Lord, I, I thank you for this study. I thank you for these scriptures that have given us all we need to know to fight the good fight. And I pray, Lord, that when you return, for you are coming back someday, you will find us still fighting that fight. Lord, above all, we thank you. We praise you for that sacrifice that was made for us, for the cross. We thank you, Lord, for that blood that was shed so that ours doesn't have to be. Lord, we thank you for the cost that's already been paid and for the ultimate sacrifice. And it is in the name of Jesus.
There's a family, a family of God. And we all have an invitation. When you're drawn up out of those baptismal waters, you are a child of God. You're his forever and ever and ever. And he's given you all you need already. If you haven't yet made a decision to come to Jesus, to start that journey, I urge you to do it today. As we said before, he is returning someday. May he find us all faithful, faithful servants within his army. If you have a public decision to make today, we invite you to come forward. Uh, Brother Gerald's going to uh, come forward and receive, and I'll be just over at that piano. We're going to stand and sing this song, Sanctuary. Think about the words this morning. Think about what that means for you. Where is your sanctuary? Most importantly, who is your sanctuary? Here in this world that is not our own. We're just passing through behind enemy lines. Would you stand and let's sing.